Thanks, Anna Joy. Okay. Christine Wertheim is a poet, critic, performer, and curator. In 2004, she received a grant from the Annenberg Foundation to design and run a series of annual conferences on experimental writing. With Matthias Wiegner, she has edited the anthologies Seance, New Lipo, and Feminescence from these events. <laughs> Untitled is forthcoming. She is the author of Time Space from Leifig Press, a book of poetics, and a chapbook from Triage. She also co-directs the Institute for Figuring, which curates exhibitions and seminars on the intersection of art, science, and mathematics, and most recently at the Smithsonian. Works in progress include a new poetic suite on mothers and a book of conceptual poetry. And I also have two quotes from Christine Wertheim um, from her essay, The Infestation of Bodies by Tongues, Notes on Literal Poetics. Um, So the first one is, literal poetics is simply a practice of linguistic self-analysis in which those who are infested with a tongue explore, through play, precisely what their own linguistic organs can do, including what they cannot help but do, that to which they are so habituated they do not know they are doing it. The emphasis here is neither on history nor structure, but on the interactions between a tongue and those it infests those who include this member in their organization. And the other one is, thus, literal poetics is a form of poetics in the ancient sense that it shows how bodies are endowed with meaning. It enables us to trace the chains of meaning inheriting in the transformations of bodies across time and space. So, please welcome Christine Wertheim. Hello, and thank you all for thank you for inviting me, and thank you all for turning up. I don't know um, how useful those quotes were; <laughs> they sounded rather portentous coming out like that. Um, but uh, yes, as as it was mentioned, I I do have a name for my poetic practice, which I call literal poetics. Um, ask me about that later if you like. Um, so I'm going to read. From pieces from three separate projects. Some pieces are related to my first book, Time Space, and the, the follow-up book, which is on Mothers and Sons. Some pieces are from the book of uh, conceptual poetry that I'm doing, which is 100 variations on the theme of how to conceive a poem. And the last one is... I'm doing another project in, it's in progress at the moment. It's on it's about poems about sites of extreme violence in the world today, particularly Juarez and Uganda. So I'm not going to read them in groups. I'm, I've mixed them all together. Uh, some reason when I do performances, it always happens that way. So um, I'm not going to say anything about them. I'm just going to read the poems one after the other. And as I said, they're, they're all mixed together from, from, the different, um, from those three different projects. Just, just to say one more thing about the, the How to Conceive a Poem project, because I'm starting with those. It's 100 poems on the theme of the poem, the moment of the poem's own conception. I've put my glasses on. Mm-hmm. 
how, how to conceive a poem one, South Park, prelude. I fuck, he fuck, she fucks, we fuck, they fuck, you fuck, fuck. Fuck, 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 fuck. Poem. The poem is conceived. Encore. Fuck, 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 fuck. Fuck, 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 fuck. Fuck, 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 fuck. Fuck, 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 fuck. So the poem is conceived. Now we have the birth of the poem. become self-aware. smothering voids, the smothering voids and the being in her, the being in her and not being here, not being here and not being there, not being her and not being here, nothing, nothing, there's nothing here, there's nothing here and nothing there. And the knot as she fails in the poisonous voids, a failing to the likeness of her, failing to be the likeness of her, failing, failing to like it at all. And the hollow eyes and the grinding teeth, the grinding teeth and the smothering voids, the smothering voids and the knot in the eye, the knot in the eye that avoids it to see. 
the voids in the sight of the not in time space, the not in time, not in time, not in my space, and the not being here and the not being there, not being in the I nor being in the him, not being heard and not being seen, and the not as she fails and the poisonous voids are failing to be the likeness of her, failing, failing to be like her, failing, failing the hollow is, the hollow eyes and the grinding to be, the grinding to be of the not in the eye and the not being here and not being there, not being in the eye, not being in the him, not being heard and not being seen, not being time and not being space, the not in time, nothing time, not in time, space. The next three are acrostic poems. They're an acrostic of the sentence, how to conceive a poem. First one, chaotic poem, eon wove. Poem convictor, you, oh ho, poem chew, a novice too. Poem conceive, oath, ow, poem wave, conceit, oh ho. Poem heave, cocoon, wit, poem weave, chino, coot. Poem notice, havoc, woe, poem avow, echoic tome. Cocaine poem, veto, how, on poem, achieve to cow. Next one is called Conceive a Tome. Whoop! Homo ape, conceive a poem. One hot voice, call meow. Hampot poet, I won't heave. Atomic poem, echo vow. The last one is I woo the poem concave. O to O, vaccine poem. O, om, we conceive a pot. Moo I have, concept woe. Eat, conceive, poo, meow. I don't know if you've ever done acrostics before, but some sentences, if you do sentences rather than words, achieve extraordinary results. Um, So the next two are prelude and preparations for mother poems. Conception, beginning, idea, comprehension, outset, commencement, formation, origin. Create, start, jump, twitch, shock, set out, found, begin, lead, establish, set up, initiate, institute, launch, pioneer, inaugurate, father. That is actually a thesaurus list if you look up the word conception. It is extraordinary that it, in the 21st century it still ends up on father. Rise, wash, dress, tie, make, stoke, boil, empty, wash, assist, begin, prepare, curtsy, greet, smile, bid, lay, serve, wash, appear, attend, present, pray, resume, wash, clean, begin, prepare, lay, serve, clear, clean, wash, assist, prepare, resume, keep, wash, attend, make, assist, ensure, wash, make, watch, serve, lay, clear, clean, resume, Wash, begin, prepare, lay, serve, clear, resume, wash, assist, prepare, clean, clear, serve, lay, serve, clear, clean, wash, assist, curtsy, smile, bid, return, wash, lay, clean, prepare, lay, clean, prepare. That was actually the list of verbs from the job description of a scullery maid in the 19th century. (coughs) Sorry, just a sec. So the next two uh, poems uh, from my next 
book about mothers and sons. Smutter you and I, and I scatter in the splatter, in the patter, makes me swooning in the sounding of the smother, in the mother's, in the mouth here, is the mouth here, is the mother in her ear, is the mother in her mouth here, in the mother or in her tears, and I mutter in this stutter, in the splatter, in your ears, oh I mutter, oh I mutter, may I mutter you, my dear. Eyes full, eyes full, eyes full, eyes full. Mmm, mmm, eyes full of it, full of it, full of the mouth. In 2009, 2,753 people were killed in the city of Juarez. This year, as of May 18th, 973 have been slaughtered, a 60% increase over the same period in 2008. Since 2006, when Calderon was elected, nearly 28,000 people have been killed in the city. Federal agents and the army have poured in during the same period, and as they arrive, the killings arise. 
Eyes full, eyes full, eyes full of the mouth. Eyes full of the mothers, eyes full of the mouth. The mothers, the mouth, their mouths, their mouths. The mothers, their mouth, their mouth, their mouths. There are 400 mainly American factories in Juarez. They pay at best $75 a week. The cost of living in Juarez is about 90% the cost of the US side of the border. In addition, the city has now had at least two generations of kids raised pretty much on their own as their parents work five and a half days a week in the factories. Eyes full of the mothers, the mmm, the mmm. Eyes full of the mothers, the mothers out there, the mothers out there, out there, out there, the mothers out there. Eyes full of the mothers, eyes full of the mothers, the mothers out out there. The murder rate of women in Juarez is about the same as Mexico in general, about 10% of all homicides. The cases are never solved, neither are the cases of the men who comprise 90% of the murders. Juarez kills everyone. Juarez is a product of many things, Mexican corruption, a key crossing point of the drug industry, a failing economy, but at the bottom is poverty in a city that wasn't, to some still is, the poster child of NAFTA. The mothers out there, get them out, 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 get them out! Get them out, get them out, get them out, get them out, get them out. I shout, I shout, I shout. The president of Mexico says 90% of the dead, over 24,000 in Mexico since he launched his program, are dirty, meaning somehow connected to drugs. This is false. Most of the dead are not capos, they are poor. Get them out, get them out, get them out, get them out. I shout, 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 I shit, I shit, shit it out, shit it out of the mouth, shit it out, shit it out, shit it out of the mouth. Three things would over time lower the slaughter rate of people in Juarez and all over Mexico. Legalize drugs, rework NAFTA so it provides a living wage, protects workers from toxic materials and protects unions and cease giving the Mexican army half a billion dollars a year. It is the largest criminal group in Mexico and a growing player in the drug industry. I shit, I shit, I shit it out, shit it out, shit it out, shit it out of the mouth, out the mouth, out the mouth, out the mouth, out the mouth, shit it out, shit it out, shit it out of the mouth, shit them out, shit them out, shit them out, shit them out, get them out, get the mouths, get them out, get them out, get them out of my mouth, get them out of my mouth, shit them out, shit them out, shit them out of my mouth. This is an erased, appropriated poem. Every three minutes, every five minutes, every ten minutes, three minutes ago or three days or 30 years ago, every three minutes it happens, every three minutes. I only know every three minutes, every five minutes, every ten minutes, with no immediate cause. We all have every three minutes, every five minutes, every ten minutes, every day, the authorities require every three minutes, every five minutes, every ten minutes, every day.
in the jungle, in the darkness, with its eyes, there with its eyes, there was a girl and she was passing, she is passing, there no more. There in the jungle, in the darkness, there is a law, there is a Lord, who has no breath, it's all been taken by a spirit, who's been awed by what's been stolen, what's been taken from his ears, who has a vision, and his voice is, and his sound is, and his tongues can barely pass around the space where words are torn from out his mouth and out his lungs by those who master and command him as they're praying on his voice. If he can't breathe, he cannot breathe. He can't inhale, he can't respire. If he can't breathe, he cannot breathe. He can't exhale, he will expire. But this Lord, he's in resistance with an army in the jungle where the spirit, who are you, commands and masters all our fates. Where are the children who are stolen? Are the weapons, are they praying to the spirit? Who are you? Commands. It's never been so bad. He cannot breathe. He cannot breathe. He can't inhale. He will expire. He cannot breathe. He cannot breathe. He cannot make his mouth to move. He said, you move. He said, you move. You girls, you move. You girls, you move. And she was passing. She is passing as the order speaks. He will. Her, you must bite her, you must bite her, you must make her breathe her last. It said the Lord, who's in resistance, who is watching, who is waiting, who is trying not to breathe without a word, without a sound, through all this tearing of her flesh. Her flesh, it's breaking, it is tearing, it is tearing up his eyes. Still he can't breathe, he cannot breathe, he cannot make his mouth to move. And he is watching as he's waiting, as he's staring. He is drinking up the sights of all the tears. They're in her eyes. They're in her arms. They're in her neck. They're in her eyes. They're in her eyes. They're in her eyes. We are her eyes. We are her eyes. We are the children. We are blinded by the breaking of her blood. We are the children. We're the stolen. We're the weapons. We are, pray- we are praying. Please don't make us. Please don't make But he's consumed by, watch your mouths. It is her tears. It is our mouths. He is consumed by, watch your mouths. He is the spirit. He's the one who is the whole. And in his eyes. He is the one who is the whole. And in his eyes, who can't be pierced. He needs our mouths. He needs our tears. He needs our openings to respire. He is the one who has the vision and the voice. He is the one, and in his eyes, he needs our mouths, he needs our tears, he needs our openings, we inspire. We are the mothers, we we make the tears that are the holes, that are his wounds, through which he's drinking, he is sucking, he is breathing in the air. Now he is sucking with our mouths that make the tears, that make the stares, that are her flesh. He's like a babe, there now he breathes, now he can breathe, now he can breathe, he won't expire. And as he's drinking, he is gazing at the tears there in her eyes. There he's the one, we are the mouths that make these wounds that he can hear, that we can hear him, we can hear him. He is breathing, he is breathing, he is breathing. It inspires. I hear her, I hear her, I hear her here, I hear her here, 
I hear her there. I hear her. I hear her. I hear her eye. I hear her eye. I hear its voids. The seeds of the Ugandan conflict were sown in the defeat of 1986 of Presidents Milton Obote and Tito Aquello by Yoweri Museveni. The remnants of the defeated forces fled north to their home areas, fearful that the new government would carry out attacks in retribution for government massacres under the previous regimes. The defeated fighters reformed and eventually rallied to a spiritualist Alice Lacoena in the hour of their despair. I hear her, I hear her, I hear her eye, I hear her eye, I hear its avoids, I hear her, I hear her, I hear her eye, I hear her eye, her eye is avoids. Alice Lequina was in turn defeated in 1987 and other rebels threw in the towel, leaving a power vacuum in northern Uganda. It was this that Joseph Kony filled with the Lord's Resistance Army. While he initially targeted government troops, he turned on civilians when the government sent civil military defence militia against him. In nearly 18 years of fighting, Joseph Kony has remained undefeated. What is his secrets? Avoids an eye, avoids an eye, avoids an eye, avoid an eye! I hear her, I hear her, I hear her howl, 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 I hear it's a hole. The Refugee Project report says Coney's recruitment is as simple as it is bloody. 20,000 children have been abducted, often forced to kill their own parents, so they have no way back. They are used as expendable troops, frequently not even given guns to fight with. Only 200 core combatants are fully armed with weapons supplied by the Sudanese government and other sources. I hear her, I hear her, I hear her, I hear, I hear he, 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 but there are practical reasons also for the war to continue. Uganda and Rwanda are part of the trade routes of the so-called conflict minerals, tin, tartalum and tungsten, mined in the Congo. The region remains, remains the most dangerous place on earth to be a woman or a girl, in significant part because the international demand for electronics products that requires minerals found there. The same armed groups that reap enormous products from the mineral trade regularly commit conscious shocking atrocities as they jockey to control the region's most valuable mines and transportation routes. Beginning transparency, sorry, bringing transparency to the consumer electronics industry supply chain by focusing attention on the international dimension of this trade will be a significant first step toward transforming the region's rich mineral resources from a fuel for violence into an engine of empowerment for the millions of people caught up in the conflict. I hear her, I hear her, I hear her here, I hear her, he 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 hear her, I 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 hear her, he hear her, he hear her, I hear her, I hear her, I hear her, he hear her, I hear her, I hear her, I hear her, he hear her, he hear her, he hear her, how, how, how. This is the second last one I'm going to read. <coughs> this is a, a, a very old sound poem. Qua! Qua qua! 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 What? Qua! Qua! What? Qua! Oh, what? Oh, what? What? Qua! Qua! Qua qua! Qua qua! 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 Quack, 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 quack,
water, 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 wire, 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 Lastly, I'd like to finish with uh, a, an appropriated poem in the in the book of um, 100 versions of how to conceive a poem. I decided that I couldn't do 100, so uh, I'm appropriating poems from other people. I have to find poems where the poem talks about itself, and it's very interesting that it turns out, at least as far as I've been able to find, most of the poems that actually refer to themselves as poems seem to come from African-Americans or Caribbeans. So this poem uh, is excerpted. It's not the whole of the poem. I have to take out, to leave only the parts that are about the poem referring to itself. It's by Muta Baraka. It's called This Poem. And it's my passing, my final gesture. Um, This poem is like all the rest. This poem will not be amongst great literary works. This poem will not be recited by poetry enthusiasts will not be quoted by politicians nor men of religion. This poem speak. This poem is still not written. This poem has no poet. This poem is just a part of the story, history, her story, our story. The story still untold. This poem is now ringing, talking, irritating, making you want to stop it. But this poem will not stop. This poem is long, cannot be short. This poem cannot be tamed, cannot be blamed. The story is still not told about this poem. This poem is old, new. This poem is copied from the Bible, your prayer book, the New York Times, the Reader's Digest, CIA files, KGB files. This poem... This poem is no secret. This poem shall be called boring, stupid, senseless. This poet is watching you, trying to make sense from this poem. This poem is messing up your brains, making you want to stop listening to this poem, but you shall not stop listening to this poem. You need to know what will be said next in this poem. This poem shall disappoint you because this poem is to be continued in your mind, in your mind, in your mind, in your mind. Thank you. been asked to repeat the question so it's on here he asked how do I write the sounds so that I can repeat them Um, this is actually a long answer I don't I try to give short answers but there's no way to give a short answer to this Um, my poetry is predominantly written visually Um, I used to be a painter and I play with the let uh, just play with the letters of words, rearrange, doing arrange, rearranging them almost like music. And it, as I said, it was always visual, and it's a kind of research for me. I'm, I'm actually interested in in what is buried in words. Um, and at a certain point, somebody said to me that I should present it as poetry, 
And then they said, well, if you're going to present it as poetry, you have to read it. And I said, well, I can't read it. It's purely visual. And so I had to develop it. And basically, I just improvise on the on the version that's written for to be looked at, to be read with your eyes. And slowly over time, I got where I get and can get better at writing the versions for performance but I'm always I have because for me it is completely improvisational I I'm always kind of rewriting like the moment before I'm speaking them so if you were to look at my pages you'll see that there's got some 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 writing and then there's just endless endless crossings out and rewritings um, over it and, and and all I can tell you is that every time I do a performance I, I have to sort of re, redo the version so that I can do this it, it's to do with how, how I can say it today and it's never the same I mean it's vaguely the same but it's never the same I, I can't, I, I don't seem to be able to have a set a set way of doing it, but I, I don't publish the um, the versions for performance. Although maybe I should. They're, they're just they're just much longer in terms of writing than the versions that are made to be read. I don't know if that. <laughs> yeah. But I thought poetry was made of words. And it seems like your poetry is really made of a lot of sounds. Can you talk to me about the, the like what you're doing there? Um, I'm just repeating the question. Uh, she, uh, she asked. They asked me to. She asked if if poetry is about words and my poetry is about sound. What what do I have to say about that? Well, as I said, actually for me. Poetry. My poetry is about letters. Is this hearing? My my poetry is about letters. It's about the manipulation of letters on the page, literally making a rearranging letters of of key concepts, and the uh, the necessity to perform them came because that is the way poetry is spread in the modern world through performance. So. Once I had to perform them, then I, then they sort of had to turn into sound poems because all I have on the page is a few letters. Um, and if you just read those letters, wouldn't be very interesting as a performance. So, I mean, I can say something else, which is <laughs> on a completely different angle. I happen to believe in the unconscious. I know that many people don't, but in my life I have experienced a great deal of it. By the way, when I say unconscious, it doesn't mean I'm not aware of it. It just means I don't have control over it. And uh, I have a personally, on a conscious level, an extremely negative relationship with my voice. And I believe that on some level when the poems are being performed, that something unconscious to do with my voice is attempting to get out. 
Yes. Once more, I think the city and the other is a question. Yeah. Totally different. But um, the, the thing to say is kind of bounced off of what Anna Joy asked. Um, are you familiar with the work of a woman who's a brown and mutual blazing? Um, she's a critic. And her last book, which is about <coughs> poetry, it might even be called your poetry, kind of makes the claim that when poetry is really working, what it does is um, sort of makes uh, make or bring you back to that, that point uh, in your life when you were first learning language from your mother and where words just began to have things, <coughs> but words were also play and babble yeah. and there was I guess a, a, a tension between meaning yeah. and sound yeah. and neither one was fully dominant yeah. Uh, she says that that's kind of the, the real place of poetry. And the power of poetry is to take right. people back to that, right. that early time. And it seems to me that your poetry does that. And then what's disturbing about it is it sort of goes, especially this work with mothers and sons, mm. it kind of puts us in that language learning, infant mother relationship, and then it contextualizes that in, in, in uh, appropriated um, language about violence in the world in Africa or in Juarez, and uh, I, you know, that's very moving and disturbing. And I have a question. Um. <laughs> Except that I didn't read this, this book. <laughs> yes, I, I, I will get the reference off you. Um. And yeah, but the thing I was going to ask that, that actually is a question oh. is... Um, I do have something to say in response to okay. what you said, but... Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, um, yes, I, I think in, in the... Uh, in the spoken version, it is something about that that very edge where sound is turning into meaning and meaning is slipping back into pure sound. Um, it's something very primitive, and that, that's why I say I, I think it's something unconscious about uh, about that uh, my initial relationship, if you want to call it me. I actually don't think it's me. I call it my mind, but um, encountered encountered meaning and something about my mind's encounter with meaning a, it, a my mind seems to remember it very well on some level and b it likes it on some level and also hates it on another level but uh, with respect to the mothers and sons thing um, I play with um, as I say I, I write visually and so I'm playing with what the things look like on the page and uh, if you if you saw my writing on the page, it's a pity I can't project it. But uh, there, I believe in for people who speaking who are infested with an English tongue, there are two basic subject positions: that of being the mothers and that of being the one, the son. Um, it's the one and the many, and it cuts across gender, generation, and class. I believe. Um, so my work is, in, is an investigation of this relationship between the one and the many, the many others and the unique one, and how that plays out in a whole lot of different levels. And I, as I said, I believe it by now. At first it was just about kinship, you know, psychoanalytic sort of family structures, but now I believe it actually really plays out 
in, in world politics. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you make this very intimate space and then you place it suddenly we're in the, uh, you know, the wars in Africa or the murders in, or the drug wars in Mexico and yet we're still resonating with that very intimate space. Yeah, well, I, I actually think that they've got the same structure, mm-hmm. and, and which is to say that also that there's something very violent about the intimate structure of mother son. By son, it doesn't mean I don't mean boy. I mean the the baby, the the what Freud called His Majesty the infant, but it can be Her Majesty the infant too. Except girls don't get to stay in that state for very long, in my view. I'm I'm very inhibited. I feel I'm very inhibited about it. I, I I'm one of those people who, from day one, I can speak in public. I can give lectures on anything if, as long as I feel I know what I'm talking about. Um, I have no problem speaking in public, but performing I find deeply intimidating, all the time. Um, Oh, I, I, I mean, my, my problem is that I can hear all the time my, my sense of intimidation. <laughs> but no, I find, it, I find it very personally, the, dis, dis, I don't know what the word is, fright, frightening on some level to, to do the performance. I think, you know, I've always been a very visual person. I was a painter and I write, I do write by looking um, so I am intimidated <laughs> but I will, I will I actually will say another thing on that I am intimidated but also no matter how hard it is for me I also have have a, an aesthetic stance I don't have an aesthetic stance on many things but I do have an aesthetic stance on this I find most people who read poetry incredibly boring. The poetry might be fabulous, but the performance of it is dull as dishwater. You know, I just, like, I don't want to hear this. I really don't want to hear it. And I really do think if people are going to perform publicly, it's incumbent upon them, no matter how intimidated they feel, to make an effort to make the performance bearable to the (laughs) audience. I, I truly don't know how there can be such an extraordinary writing world, poetry world in America. I mean, it's huge in America, vast. And still the majority of people read in that dreadful poetry voice that is like they're telling... The, the only thing the voice is telling you, you can't even listen to what they're saying because the only thing the voice is telling you is... I am important, I am portentous, I am significant. And it's like, okay, fine, you're a genius. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> so I'm sorry. So, so, I, so on one level, even though I do find it, I do have immense stage fright, if that's the word for it, but I make an effort because I think it should be. It, it, it should be an experience for the audience that you don't get from just reading the book. Otherwise, just buy the book and go home and read it. 
which is actually what I'd rather do with most poetry, <laughs> to be blunt. I mean, the same goes for prose writers. They're just as bad. Um, so. <laughs> Not all Anna Joy and Ray are exceptions. There are exceptions. Present company excluded, yes. But for students, I do. I always tell my students, you know, you should practice your poems, speaking them. And you're, and you're reading your prose if you write prose too. The short answer is no. Influence, no. Um, uh, there are, there are, there is, there is somebody whose work I believe is very similar to mine. He's a, uh, his name is Jean-Pierre Brisset, and he's what's called an outsider linguist, what the French call fou littéraire. Um, the, these are people who practice the same thing that I practice, which is what is called folk etymology which is playing around with the meanings of words and thinking that they can find meaning in the world through finding meaning in words. And people like that, like me, develop whole theories out of just playing around with subtle shifts in the meanings of words. He, you can look up his there's a huge website about him. He, he unfortunately wrote in French, so, and it's almost untranslatable. Um, but... Uh, I discovered him way after I, you know, 10 years after I was doing my own project, but I love having discovered him because I <coughs> absolutely admire him. Um, and his linguistics, it's interesting because this this thing called folk, folk etymology, or what I call literal poetics, where you just play around with the meanings in possible ver different variations of words and produce theories about the world, has been practiced by people for thousands of years across many different languages. It's completely discredited in official linguistic circles, but yet Brisset, who was a laughing stock of the French poetic intelligentsia in the early part of the 20th century, but because they knew about him, his work has been kept alive, and at the end of the 20th century, there's more work being written about him by people like I mean, Deleuze and Foucault are now dead, but Foucault, Deleuze and all kinds of people are writing about this work now in a way, it's, got much, it's a much richer way of looking at language than the official understanding of official linguistics. I, I think 20th century linguistics was really problematic and, uh, in, the, in its narrowness. And um, so uh, apart from that, the only, the only other thing that I, that I know has really affected me is Samuel Beckett, the last book he wrote in English, which he wrote when he was actually waiting for the end of World War II, which is what the play Godot is supposed to be about. But when Beckett was actually in that state, waiting for something to happen and not knowing if it would, he wrote this book called What? And I spent 10 years obsessing about that book. So it's the only thing that I think has directly influenced me. Yes. 
interested in the fact that you're creating your own language system on the on the page, but then when you're reading it, it really has no correlation. It could possibly have no correlation with what's being written. No, yeah. So then, in reality, you're writing two two poems. One's visual, and then one's uh, phonetic. And I, I just found that like really really beautiful because it's like a kind of a different approach to to reading because it's just an assumed thing of, of yeah, well, th thank you for pointing that out. Yes, there is an absolute disconnect in a way between between what's on the page and the and the sound version. I mean, i i might I might start writing out the sound versions, and people can. But you know, it's long lists of, of vowels. <laughs> Don't think it'd look very interesting on the page. You said you were a painter, so you don't, you don't paint anymore? No, I don't. Okay. <laughs> the easiest answer to say is painting abandoned me. That's why I got into writing, because I had a question I wanted to pursue and I couldn't find a way to to work with that question in visual, well, in, in paint. So somehow I found a way to do it with with words, albeit for me, words are still a highly visual thing. But Christine, you're also, um, I'm just going to raise my hand by talking. Um, you're also, I mean, you were also, you said you were into maybe fashion design in an interview maybe I read, is that true? And yes, before I was a painter, I was a fashion designer. Fashion I was actually a brilliant fashion designer, really fantastic. I can tell. <laughs> oh, no, I was, I was really good at it. Well, yeah. <laughs> Um, so fashion design, painting, science and linguistics, and then also this institute for figuring that you do with your sister. This is a, and you run the program at CalArts, and you're inventing a new basis from which um, language functions in the body and, and, and the mouths and, and how that relates to gender. Um, that's a lot of things. How do they all work together? <laughs> Well, the, the, my my writing project, which 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 I still mainly think of as a theory rather than poetry, although it certainly looks like poetry, um, I've been working on for twenty five years. Um, it's a life project. It's not like I've done it all this week. And <laughs> I stopped doing the painting and the fashion design decades ago. <laughs> um, I, I, for me, it's very. I'm not actually very productive. Um, I mean, I've got a lot of stuff written on paper, but I somehow don't have a lot of stuff published. I find it very hard to have a job and publish. There you go. Some people find it that they can do that. I, I find it very difficult to. I, I mainly. I, I do lots of sort of handwriting notes during the term, but I find I can't do serious writing really during the teaching and we're certainly not when you're running a program and which is not teaching but mainly bureaucracy. <laughs> I find doing a lot of bureaucratic work is not compatible with with doing creative work after you've spent the whole day making lists of, you know, room numbers. <laughs> mm -hmm. I, I find I can't come home and and uh, and and write. I think, you know, if you 
But then I, I also know that I've been doing this project for 25 years, albeit no doubt it's changed, but it's still the same project to me. Is there a relationship between it and what you're doing with Institute for Figuring at all? Like patterns or looking for the material, how patterns materialize? Or? Um, to me, I find them very different, but it, but it is true that, that, that I have a love of of pattern, yes. I mean that that, that I would that I would, that I would say is the underlying principle of everything that I've ever done. Is is I love pattern and I love the patterns in words, and, and I believe the patterns in words are not arbitrary. They they be because we are. Um, I, I believe that the tongue. It is, it's literally an organ of our being. It's part of the way we are organised. This is why I think contemporary linguistics is so impoverished. It doesn't take into account that the tongue is part of your being, not your body and your mind. And so the patterns in words are patterns of our being. Um, so, and obviously I like things that repeat. And uh, in the well, the, the main project that the Institute for Figuring for people who don't know about that is my sister and I have been doing this crocheted coral reef, which has engaged thousands and literally thousands and thousands of people all over the world now. Um, and it is what it says: it's crocheted coral reef. So I've done an enormous amount of crochet over the last five years, and crochet, like any of those repetitive handicrafts, where you reiterate something over and over again and when you're doing that physically reiterating repeating the same thing over and over again you go your your body and mind go into a state that's not that it's not medit it's not meditation it's something different because you're still alert and you have to con you have to concentrate to a certain degree but i understand why women did needlework in the past it it wasn't just a time filler and a waste of time it actually, it it's like meditation, but it's different um, because it's because it's you're doing it with your body. I, mean, I know you do meditation with your body too, but it's not the same as repeating this thing physically. And 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 I think in the in the oral version of my work, there's something about that's why I said something I think is trying to get out, and it's something about something that something that that in the medium of sound wants to go through that reiterate reiterative process of the same thing over and over again and the gradual accumulation builds up things that are completely unexpected and you can only get you can't know in advance what's going to happen you you just have to do the repetitions thousands of times until you see what accumulates from doing that so that's I suppose you could say that, you know, the bureaucracy that I do of, you know, endless lists of room numbers and students cross-referenced to tutors and tutors cross-referenced to other tutors, whatever, is some form of reiterative pattern-making, but unfortunately it doesn't have that same quasi-meditative effect on me. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry.
I'm not really an advocate for bureaucracy. I'm actually quite good at it, but, it, but it's mind-deadening. It's not conducive to creativity in my experience. Thank you. And if you'd like to see what those poems look oh, like, this yeah. is selling books over here, and there's um, her book, yeah. Time Space. Thank you for and mentioning that, Anna Joy. an amazing collection 